0: an April Fools prank Game of Thrones actually premiered on Sunday. You're lying.
1: Yeah, I was worried that it would be a big joke. I was worried that it that it wasn't actually renewed for a second season. No, you're it was not. all one big elaborate <laughs> April Fools joke. I was because no, you never that's know, not true. right? That's like, not true.
2: You knew. That would have been HBO's
1: out. if HBO had done that, that would have been the best April Fools joke ever and the worst.
2: No, it would have not have been a good April Fools joke at all. Yeah. At all. Well I guess we should introduce ourselves guys, by the way. Don't you think mm-hmm. we should do that? I'm Mike Atanbaum. I'm Zach
0: I'm, Louis.
1: And I'm Eric Skull.
0: I like how you jumped right in front of Eric there, because Eric was about to go, Zach,
2: and you just like uh kind of spot it's like, right Kate, away from him.
1: It's very at least it could be worse. We could be fighting for the uh the rule over Westeros right now. So I just
2: I just didn't want to be I just don't want to leave any kind of gap, you know, because if I make the decision to go next, then it com- it's just it's seamless.
1: Yeah, sorry about that. In fact it was I who jumped in front of you. Sorry about that. Uh,
2: that's true, actually that is true.
1: Yeah, even though my name's first in the dock, yeah. So, anyway, we, th- I'm glad we got the episode <laughs> that we did get.
0: Um, yeah, on, on and we April made August. it. We made it to our second episode here. We did. And Can we get some kind of like mini
2: clap? <laughs> Just mini-, mini?
1: No, no, we're not doing that again. No, no more claps. <laughs> <laughs> not at the same time. We clapped to sync up our audio tracks. It was fun.
2: Well, we do have to say that we're missing two of our counterparts, Terrence. Oh, we are. No. And Mrs. Selena. Terrence the Swede. is two of our counterparts. <laughs> gotta give me a moment to introduce the Swede. Hold on. As far as
0: Selena goes, she's actually in Bath with George R.R. Martin. Hang it, what, and, what? And, and well, I mean, take that for what you will. No, no. Interpret it any way
2: you want.
1: She's in the location, the geographical location.
2: Bath. I'm sure that we're going to see a few updates from her, uh, from the George R.R. R. Martin front, and it probably will not have anything to do with the bathing situation. But yes, the geographical location
1: Oh, Bath. Is that a city? I really should fact check first. I'm terribly sorry. You're right. But
2: also, it should be noted that Terrence is filming this situation as well.
1: Yeah, he volunteered for that. She was like, uh, can I get a camera crew? And Terrence was like, uh, no, because I'm filming it.
2: So. Well, Micah was going to go, but he was too busy in the Game of Owns gallery, right, Micah? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> nice plug there, by the way. You like that? Yeah, that was good. I snuck that in there.
1: What about the gallery? What were you doing? Well, speaking of the gallery, <laughs>
2: <laughs> I just washed down a multivitamin with some low-sodium V8 100% vegetable juice. What are you guys sipping on? Water? Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure how to
0: transition from multivitamins to... <laughs> The uh, the season premiere of uh, Game <laughs> of Thrones, but we're going to try anyway. Uh, I w- just kind of wanted to get your guys' initial reactions. You did the show. Meet your expectations. We've been waiting quite a while uh, for this to finally return uh, on television. Uh, what were your overall uh, reactions?
1: Zach, go first, buddy.
2: You want me to go first?
1: Yeah, yeah. You went first in the names, so I did. You,
2: you did you watch it, or are you just? You know, kind of play off so, everything that we say. so. So Sunday, I um, I was filming last weekend on a music video that I'm directing, and so Sunday I wrapped up the shoot at about I think around midnight, and I went back to the guest room that I was staying in, and fired up HBO Go on the iPad and started to watch the season premiere and. Um, they do a really good job of decorating the HBO Go app and making it a really sort of a, a value, valuable experience for you um, because I I'm not exactly sure. Like last season, they were they were premiering episodes from the week later. They would premiere them a week early on HBO just, uh, HBO Go just to advertise the fact that they have this kind of stuff on their app, which is pretty cool. I remember that. Uh, yeah. Well, this time they didn't do that. They did it on time. And I got through about half of it before I fell asleep because I was exhausted. But I did watch it the next day, and I watched it about twice so far and i do have to say that um it was amazing absolutely amazing
1: yeah um i thought it it, it maintained the tone obviously it it felt like it was a conti- you know just a continuation of the story which is good because you hear about tons of casting changes or not changes but you know mo- you know with a larger cast you really worry that it's going to get convoluted but you know even the new characters that we saw were introduced at sort of the same i want to say pace but just like You know, it just felt like the story was expanding, and it was a good opener for the next, you know, season.
0: It it did feel a little bit short. I mean, I watched it. Yes. Right around, let's say nine o'clock or so, or sorry, ten o'clock, it came on here, and it it didn't start right away. It was started like a couple minutes after the hour, and then it ended probably about six or seven minutes before 11 o'clock
1: well they had those previews and like the like last season on game of thrones and then they had like for the rest of the season like a preview of coming you know events did you see those because those were right i I feel like that's what took off they had commercials in between them but i think that that was what was supposed to take up the full hour
0: i I don't know what that is maybe it's when i think of a season premiere normally i think of you know Shows tend to go all out. Sometimes they're two hours long. Yeah. Um, right. Or, you know, they try to fill every minute possible. It goes a couple minutes past the hour. Right. This was very sort of compact. And you did get a lot in the time that you were given. And, and it was very good, like you guys said. But I
2: was just surprised at how short it was. Hmm. 46 minutes, I'm sure. Given <laughs> you know. with the time that we did have, I was I was really blown away by the fact that they were able to stretch the the feeling of a calm before the storm, a feeling of sort of... You know, getting your soldiers prepared for battle throughout the entire episode. Even through the the scenes in the north um, with John, I was like, you know, this doesn't have much to do with warfare as the other scenes do, but you still feel like there's still a, a drumming up of soldiers. Not quite like the Urkai and um, Isengard, but like, still, it's like, all right, well, season two is about to get crazy.
1: I, I just sensed war was coming, but from all directions. And I think that that's what the fir- the first episode of the second season. Really emphasizes too, because like even north of the wall, they're trying to seek out this this guy who you know disappeared, and he's I guess he's becoming king north of the wall,
2: king in the north of the wall, yeah, king
1: in the king in the north of the north, yeah, (laughs) right. Uh, But just like he's doing that, and then you got Stannis Baratheon and the, the you know the the witch, and obviously we got a little bit more of. Daenerys, you know, Targaryen and stuff. So I, I just thought, oh yeah, you know, all the plot threads that were kind of just suspended are picked up, and there's just a little bit of continuation. Obviously, there's a whole season to go, you know, and, and, a, and a whole season's worth of events to unfold, but I, I thought it was good, um, you know, how it was done in this episode, and it kept me interested, and it wasn't all about the brand new characters. They did spend time with nearly every one of the characters who are still alive? Who we knew um, quite a bit. The exception being Arya, who I was very very worried would not show up in 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 this uh, you know premiere as I was watching it. Um, but of course she does it at the very very end. I'm like ah oh, yes, they got Arya in. Yeah. Um, but like for you know half a second before the the episode ends. So that was good. But like every one of the principal characters that I can think of was you know shown and and pretty much. Um, in in a satisfying way.
2: Well, we were given sort of an incredibly epic opening shot which was the dog fighting someone else and, you know, totally kicking his ass and then they sort of cut directly to Joffrey being a little shit as we know that he was going to be at the end of last season. <laughs> and, uh... And I just, oh, it was such a great way to come into it because that's how we were left. We were left last season knowing that he was about to do some, like, oh, God, this dude's the king. It's going to get crazy. And so they begin it with Joffrey sort of just being an asshole. And then you've got Little Miss all sad because her dad went bye-bye. And so, but still, she's still dealing with, you know, the drama that is going on between the two of them and the fact that maybe she needs to stay alive, not only for herself, but for her family and kind of keep her place. And then all of a sudden, you know, swaggered-ass, Awesome, Tyrion just comes in. He's like, "Man, I peed off the wall. I traveled down this road. I fought with the hill tribes, and now I'm the hand of the king. So what up?"
1: I gotta, I gotta say. Um... That when when Tyrion entered, I was a little shocked because I didn't hear his, like, first line. Like, he said something, but I couldn't make it out. It was to announce his coming, but they didn't... He was like, my
2: dearest nephew.
1: Yeah, yeah, but it wasn't from his perspective. It was, like, from the nephews, like, from, you know, where where everyone else was. And so, I I don't want to say because he's little, but I just didn't (laughs) think that it was loud enough. You know, that I just, I couldn't make it out. Maybe it was the the acoustics of the room I was in, but <laughs> where I, were you
2: watching it? I, I
1: would have liked to sort of just a room, just a living room.
2: <laughs> okay. But I,
1: I would have thought that they would have shown like sort of him like silhouetted like arriving. Like they could have made it a little bit more badass. But obviously, once he arrived, he, he you know stole the stole the scene, stole the show.
0: Right. Um, well, as what is it? Varys says. A small man can often cast a big shadow. Exactly. Who
1: says that? Well, it's in the previews. I missed that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it was in the preview video. But going back to your point, Eric, I thought they did a great job of sort of spreading it around. Like you, they made sure, pacing-wise, to touch on every major character from last season. And then also, as you pointed out, to incorporate Stannis and everything that's going on with him. Even in the opening credit, if you saw you know, how they have that cool montage where they go through the map of Westeros and... Mm-hmm. They showed Dragonstone for the first time, right? Uh, which is the island that Stannis is on for the time being. But uh, you know, Zach too, what you were talking about—just that great scene with, with Tyrion walking in, and then he makes his way uh, to Cersei, and Beautiful. he has that conversation with her. And and I referred to it, you know, even though he didn't physically do
2: anything to her. He basically imp slaps her with words. <laughs> Micah Tanabam <laughs> <Tannibam, laughs> coins a new phrase on the second episode of Game imp of Bones. Slap. Everybody, imp slap. <laughs> He's
0: just so good at the, in that role. Uh, just right. the things that he says to her. You know the fact that who would have ever thought that you know you would have been our, our
2: father's least favorite child or, however he said it. Yeah, Beautiful. the disappointing child. Yeah. I was really happy because Peter Dinklage is is gonna have such a large role in this season for Tyrion's character and i love the fact that you know he's winning awards in the off season he's he's cleaning up and he's getting all of the praise that he deserves like you know in the opening credits it used to be sean bean that was the first actor listed and now it's peter dinklage so
1: oh i didn't notice that yeah it's it's it's, alphabetical though isn't it i mean
2: um i don't think so
1: b b to d being to dinklage
2: maybe but he wasn't last but that that would make sense but even though it it still gives off the 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 sort of branding yeah Yeah. exactly exactly and and it's not but in a way it is i mean he's he's one of our you know he's obviously the most beloved character right now well i
1: want to ask how is that in the book like is Tyrion the best written character and like one of the favorites in the books or is this kind of a, a a change that they're making in the tv show
2: No. No. Well, well, the way he writes it, you know, he makes it sort of clear to us that anyone who gets their own chapter, um, they're an important character that we're supposed to, you know, like, pretty much. And, um, you know, Tyrion gets his chapters, and that's just how it goes. Yeah, I I think
0: you do feel sympathetic towards Tyrion, because I think there is a redeeming quality to his character. And I think you even see it in the very opening scene in Season 2 here, When he's talking to Sansa, right, and and talking about how sorry he was to hear about Ned Stark, yeah,
1: he just stops everything and in front of in front of the murderers of Ned, he says to her, "I'm saying because." And I think doesn't he justify it to the kiddies like you know formalities or like you know he he he's trying to explain the the necessities of being cordial like that.
2: Yeah, he says to he says to Joffrey. He said, "Hey." You know, it doesn't matter what he did. I'm still telling her that I'm sorry she lost her father. You yeah. would know how it feels. You just lost your father, too. I'm, sh- I'm, sh- I'm sure you understand being Man. sad. The implications they, were just, just so right. He high threw on down that. the gauntlet so hard on that one. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Except it's not really his father, but right, <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, <laughs> he doesn't know that. Well, what was odd
1: about that was: aren't his brother and sister there, like next to him? Like, yes. weren't those the other two kids there? His brother and sister. Like, do they play any role in the books? Because they're in the TV show, but I just don't feel like they're that well known. But they're they're also blonde. Oh no,
0: they they play a major role later on later in the on. series. Okay, yeah.
1: yeah. But, like, I don't think... I don't know if they've been introduced. Maybe I missed that in the first season, but, like, I knew... They were
2: very briefly introduced. A lot okay. happened in the opening episode. But they're
1: also sure. Cersei and Jaime's kids, right? Correct. Okay. Right. What about Robb <laughs> Stark and Jaime Lannister, speaking of that?
2: Uh, let's not talk about that I really want to talk about Grey Wind in that scene because you know previously in the first season we saw actual wolves playing the role as dire wolves and I was hoping that we would see the proper aging and the proper growth of these wolves because I mean in the books they're serious serious badasses and I was super pleased to see that you know we had a significant amount of CGI and he was terrifying absolutely terrifying when Rob walked in there and, you know, Jamie's off and, you know, acting like sort of the asshole that he is and he's giving Rob, you know, all the little charm and charisma he has calling him boy. And then when his wolf comes in, he's like, oh, shit, like you could see how uncomfortable (laughs) he was. It was beautifully done. Yeah. Uh, And you got almost got the sense that he's been tortured in some
0: ways with that wolf over the course of maybe the last few weeks, months, however long he's being held captive just by the reaction that he has. And you could tell there's a real fear that Jamie has. Of that wolf, he he doesn't seem to fear death, but I would assume he would probably fear having his face bitten off by Greywind.
1: Yeah, because he's vain like that, you know. Appearances, like his—they call him the Kingslayer. Like so, clearly he doesn't care what people think, right? But um, his face has always been, you know, kind of untouched, even though he's got that reputation. That's very bad. If he had a face to match it, I I just don't think he'd he'd care for much anymore.
2: Yeah, no, I was, I was, I got the impression that, you know, he's a badass and he's like, okay, I'll be killed and that's fine but I was having a conversation about this a few days ago with someone but, um, and by a few days ago I mean yesterday but uh, Jamie's afraid of dying if he's being killed by teeth and being swallowed. If he's being eaten, he's like, nah, that's not fun. Let's not do that.
0: Yeah, like you were saying before, too. Clearly, Grey Wind uh, ate his Wheaties uh, in the last yes. year or so. <laughs> those yes. wolves are so big.
1: Like even uh, I understand there's like a weird passage of time between every episode. It could be months, it could be weeks, it could be a day. But like those wolves were like cubs in one episode. The next episode, they were old enough to like fight off Bran's attacker and you know kill him and I, i'm sure wolves are quite vicious even when they're young because right. you know they're wild animals let's not mm-hmm. and especially dire wolves i don't know what that means you know for their specialty but they just seem to be like twice as big as they are in the previous episode every new episode which is like does it stop does it ever stop like that's but what i like most is the telepathy they seem to have or like the loyalty they have to their specific stark children
2: they play a very very important role to each stark yes yeah,
1: so that's, that was super cool. And, of course, Bran has his connection with his. Was that his wolf? That he's Some like... Yeah.
2: yeah,
0: what was up with that? Well, we're not going to give away things that come to be revealed later on in the books. So, <laughs> okay. let's just assume he has a very strong connection with his dire wolf, right? Now. Yes.
1: Okay. Yes. <laughs> I liked the air of prophecy, or not the air of prophecy, but like the unknown was coming down, for instance, you know, with the Comet. The Comet in the Sky is something new. I count it as a new character almost because it's this new reason for people to react to and... And something that's foreboding. It's obviously it's ominous because it's so far up in the sky, but it means something to everybody and and not always the same thing.
2: They used it as a really great mechanic as far as the filmmaking perspective goes to um, link all of the different stories happening in the first episode, which I thought was just super brilliantly done. Um, It was great on their part on the writing side because it gave a congruency to all of the shots and connected everything really well because I mean, the fact of the matter is, all of these things are happening in all these different places so far away, but at the end of the day, they're all under the same sky, they're all in the same place, and they're all fighting for the same place. That's really cool. It was really, really well done. I was super impressed. Speaking of Brown, though, I liked how uh, he's now in charge
0: at Winterfell. That that, that That scene scene was beautiful. Where where he looks at... uh, who is it? Uh, Master Lewin? And yeah. He's just shaking
2: his head, like, I do not want to deal with this
0: shit. Yeah. And he's, <laughs> the
2: guy's like complaining about his masonry. He's like, oh, my keep is so ugly. Like, I really <laughs> want to redecorate. And he's like, hey, guy, listen, um, isn't it your job to make sure your place is decorated? I mean, look at Winterfell. We're obviously kind of, we're not doing too well here either. (laughs) He's like, listen, later today, I got a, I got a date with Hodor. He's going to take me out and I'm going to go sort of swimming later. So I want to get this over with pretty soon, but we got to see him stand up for his brother, which I thought was really nice. And, you know, I love the loyalty that they're building between the brothers because that's a super important bond in the books and, you know, really in real life too. So they did a great job in, in painting that picture. And, um, you know, we get to hear King Rob, I think, for the first time, just naturally being said, and I thought that was super well done. I mean, obviously, we're we're all three big fans of how this episode went, and I think as a whole, you know, we're going to be gushing this whole episode, I think. But but really, I walked away from it just thinking, wow, they have just taken the TV genre and they have raised the bar so high because I've seen shows like Rome and I've seen shows that HBO has made, not only HBO but other sort of. Uh, medieval era shows and i've never seen this just i i can't even i just want to say i've never seen this amount of swag poured into it you know what i mean like it (laughs) and it's not and it's it's not that hard to do when you've got people like peter dinklage you know bounding around the set but just that whole sequence like you were saying when he when he came from the throne or he he came from let's say the field onto the throne and then walked right into small council and just you know poured himself a glass of wine and was like all right guys let's get started like, it was just so beautiful. And they, they're doing, you know, Weiss and Bennehoff are doing such a good job with, with the text and turning it into just incredible episodic formula. It's, it's really nice to be able to watch this. You've left us all speechless, clearly.
0: <laughs>
1: I'm agreeing with you.
0: No, no, I, I agree also. I'm really
2: excited to kind of see how all the rest of this plays out uh, throughout the rest of the season. Well, they showed Daenerys and her people, and they were in the desert getting their march on. And then you see Daenerys' horse die, and I was confused for a moment because, I mean, I don't know if something could ever die that fast. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, from, like, dehydration exposure? Are you, say, are you saying the horse was murdered?
2: No, I just, I thought, you know, it was kind of sad because that was her last kind of gift from call from Drogo. Well, and it was, there. like, a
1: new horse. Like, I did, that was the last thing I expected to happen, was, like, her horse dies. I just thought it was not necessarily melodramatic. Like, you don't want to criticize the episode because... I think it was really good, but it was interesting that they were so in dire straits, like so soon.
2: I don't think they did the best job of making it appear terribly desolate and like they were being dehydrated and they were starving. Like, I don't think they did the best job of painting that picture. Cause in the book, you know, Micah backed me up on this. It's obviously a lot, a lot worse than what it looked like.
0: Well, and I think it goes on for a lot longer period of time. I mean, they condensed, you know, a trek through that desert right which is probably over several hundred pages down to about less than 3 minute. minutes yeah. yeah yeah so and and i think with the horse like, it, it might have been a little bit more believable if the horse was struggling along for a little while and then kind of toppled over right I, but you're really just you're supposed to believe that she's going through this intense struggle they're starving they're dehydrated they're really on the run you know she goes fr- really from the end of season 1 to you think that she has sort of all this power because of uh, the dragons that she has, and now you see her in a completely opposite situation where, you know, she can't—it's exactly what uh, Sir Jorah says to her. You know, we can't go this way because we'll encounter this. We can't go that way because we'll encounter that, you know, and all they can do is keep going east.
1: When she says, uh, when she sends the horses in the three di- different directions with the riders, she says right. specifically to the one rider, "You're my greatest hope." W- who is that guy? Is he important? What's you know? Was he introduced on the show before?
0: Yeah, he was in the last season, and you know, he was kind of. Uh isn't he part of the uh the Khalasar?
2: Yeah, yeah. He's sort of the inner circle. Okay. Right. I think she, she calls she him brother. Blood of My Blood. She yeah, calls him blood, blood of My, my blood. blood, which is sort of her own little small version of that circle that um the call has with his with his blood brothers essentially there. Okay. And um I think that there might what they painted in the show, at least, is that there might be some budding romance there.
0: Yeah, I saw that. That's definitely not in the book.
2: Yeah, but I mean I, I was afraid of that, but at the end of the day, it's Hollywood, and just like we res- bring that up, he looked like he he was he,
0: he wanted to, uh, you know, a little something, something. And, and so, did so did she. So
2: did she. She was like, "Listen, everyone's here, uh, and I just put my favorite dragon in the cage." So, but uh, next time, maybe when you get back, maybe if you find water, then and it's not salty. Then, <laughs> hey, man, I'm saying it's the people that have needs. A little bit of incentive
1: is all you need to get out of a dire situation in the middle of a desert.
2: Right. <laughs> They still managed to slip in a little bit of nudity and stuff, which, you know, like I said, last episode, I mean, comes with the territory. And I definitely don't feel like it's 100% necessary, but it's just part of being a show on HBO, you know.
0: Who's complaining, though?
2: Right. <laughs> right. It was, well, I
0: mean, I guess it depends on, you know, there was that scene in the, in the whorehouse... And I forget the name. She's, she's the, the main whore, I guess. Right? right. She's the one who came from Winterfell. <laughs> the, alpha down, whore. <laughs> the, the alpha whore. The alpha whore, yeah.
2: The uh, alpha whore.
0: But she was the one who came down from Winterfell to King's Landing. And, and she actually reenacts the scene. Because I, I watched a lot of season one on Sunday leading up. She, she does the exact same scene, has the exact same lines as Baelish does when he's teaching her what she should be doing in season one. So I thought it was kind of funny that there's, like, this transfer of power yeah. from Baelish
2: to Alpha Whore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We are 12-year-old children, guys.
1: <laughs> Maybe do we? if we say Alpha Ho, is that less offensive?
2: No, let's just leave that for the rap videos. Okay. I thought that they touched a little bit on what could later be some also... Not necessarily inappropriate or steamy, but, you know, definitely some more adult themes when they were when they visited Craster's Keep. And yeah. um, John and the rest of the Night Watch were there, and we're meeting Craster, and we're learning that not only is he surrounded by all of these babes, but all of these babes are his offspring, and they're all simultaneously his wife, which is an odd situation.
1: Yeah, they're his daughters and his daughters of his daughters.
2: Not quite sister wives, but daughter wives. <laughs> Yeah. So he's a bit like Walter Frey. Yeah, Frey, absolutely. Doesn't, doesn't, no, 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 no. Cousins. Yeah, yeah, but not quite. Here's The thing about Frey is A, he has a wife at a time, and and B, he's, you know, Argus Filch, which makes him automatically more credible.
1: <laughs> this Craster guy, was just, he lives north of the wall, right? I mean, they're north of the yep. wall, and he does give it, you know, there's the exposition. He's in need of a good axe, apparently. He's going to start killing and eating his daughters. Um, but. I, I i just i don't know i i loved i was intrigued by how unique it was you know that, that you find this this guy obviously it's very cold up here maybe there's a lot of snuggling they need to do that's why he has so many daughters <laughs> but like I, I just i love how unique and how it was portrayed even the dialogue the entire time is still har- is harsh and adult and you know even even the little lesson between the um Leader of the, you know, Night's Watch, and uh, uh, John Snow about you know learning to follow if he ever wants to lead, you know that whole scene was really like striking and important, and I think it's probably one of my favorite scenes from the episode.
2: When when Lord Commander was talking to Craster, we we learn slowly through the dialogue and they're, they're not too apparent about it. Like you need to be slightly intelligent to catch it completely of what they're hinting at. But the undertone is always there that this guy is a shady, unsavory individual. And he's gotten by with sort of being a shady and unsavory individual. And he knows how he has the night's watch sort of under his boot. So he can say things like, Oh man, you want this information? I'm feeling pretty thirsty. And he's like, and so Lord commander says, okay, here, Get him a barrel of wine, he says the next thing. And then he and then he asks another thing and he says, Well, that axe looks pretty good and he goes, Give him the axe. Like he, he's he knows he has this guy these guys by the balls and he knows that he can ask for whatever he wants and so he's sort of being a jackass. And then when his um you know, the 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 shot where he grabs his daughter wife sort of by the clothes surrounding her like backside and pulls her in, we get a little bit of a a, a tease of Slight inappropriateness, some sexuality in there, and we know that he's a total creep too. And then when the shot goes to her face, we see that she's slightly looks different, and you know, kind of talks at a different tone. And so we're getting the sense that the the inbreeding is having false implications on these kids as they're growing up, and it's really, it's really a terrible kind of terrible place.
0: Yeah, and and I think even Craster sort of puts it out there that if John messes around with any one of his daughter wives that they'll be held to pay and i mean i think just as a casual viewer you pick up on the fact that something probably is going to happen
2: moving forward uh, yeah related to that that was my favorite scene in the entire episode because they hinted at so much drama happening there and i thought oh man this is this is going to get bad
1: well uh, even when lord commander was um at the end of it, at the end of their meeting, he said, you know, your house, your rules to this right. Craster guy. And it was just like, wow, they are all at his mercy, you know?
2: Exactly. Yeah. Well, it was a testament to, to his resiliency, though, being in the north, because the during the conversation, there's a there's a comment. He says, listen, we've been through village and village and village, totally deserted. Where is everyone going? And he says, you know, they're rallying around, big guy, and he's making an army. And he goes, well, and where is he going? That's Raider. Yeah, gathering around Mancerator, he's like, "Where, where's the army going? And he says, there's only one way to go when you're all the way north, and that's south, so we know that he's going to be causing some trouble, so let's throw another hat into the ring but, for the Seven Kingdoms.
1: Hang on, because can he really compete with the wall? I mean, I've seen <laughs> the wall, okay?
2: It's pretty big.
1: <laughs> you can never scale it. I, I think that's kind of the point, right? I mean, can you melt it if you had, like the white hot intensity of a thousand burning suns harnessed in like a crystal or a, uh, a big uh, magnifying glass maybe
2: like you the know, even star how are you
1: really going to take the? or a dragon
2: that breeds fire how exactly are you, how
1: are you really going to take the wall
2: or, they can or just walk through the wall walk through the wall you know just walk through it they need to we'll,
1: close that passageway they need to dynamite that passageway
2: have you ever seen two towers you know that explosives <laughs> there's always a drain there's always a drain
1: a <laughs> drain at uh, you're talking about Helm's Deep yeah oh god but still like so those are the groundlings that are forming like the allegiance with each other
2: yeah no the wildlings are, they're all Wild they're all um, they're all gathering forces but I mean because like they're the rebels in, in this book they're they don't want to be a part of the seven kingdoms they want to they want to do their own thing you know and I thought that it was really beautiful this is such a neat thing and, and th- that this whole series paints is because we've got all of this crap going on below the wall. And then, guess what? W- in the first season, we're co- sort of told, like, hey, if anyone goes north of the wall, you're screwed. We have the opening episode and the pilot, and then we had, you know, what happened to his uncle, uh, to what happened to Uncle Benjamin, sort of deter us also from going north of the wall. And so when we open this episode and they're deep into the north, and you know, it's like, well, hey, people do exist here, and these people are sort of crazy, and they're ragtag, and they're doing whatever they can to survive, and they just they're bent. and everyone knows, because we had this great scene where we learned um, as Tyrion was going into the small council, we learned that winter is, or that the long summer is over, and a badass winter is coming, and uh, you know, Littlefinger was like, we have enough grain for five years, and after that we've got Enough grain to keep us alive, and the peasants start dying. You know what I mean. So we know that some badass shit is coming. So even these guys, that exactly. are rebels north of the wall, they're like, Ugh, "Well, we're gonna start some trouble too." Like we're done being up here and we're done being quiet.
1: I guess it's just uh, you know the style of how it's written, but I wanted to see more of the White Walkers. Not even just in season one, but just even already, I'm just like, okay, you teased us about them in the first season. It's like a long, a, a slow burning candle. You know, it's just like, I know that the threat is real because we've seen them, but like, I just want to find out so much more because they were in, you know, in the pilot of the, the first season. You, you even learn, I think quite a bit about them based on, you know, their, their dismembering of the bodies and arranging them in like a ceremonious or weird way. And then like one of the people looked possessed and it was just like, I, we haven't seen them since though. So I'm just like, I'm like, where are they, man? And when are they coming back? So I was really nervous when they were up, you know, north of the wall, because I associate that with, you know, the, the White Walkers more than I do the Wildlings.
0: Well, I mean, think about the fact that that's probably the reason why the Wildlings are looking to move south with exactly coming.
1: Yeah, couldn't Craster just offer his daughters to the Wildlings or to well, we the to the White to Walkers them. to just open up a, open up a bed and breakfast, and the Wild, White Walkers can all just kind of cozy up and forget ice, about their, fuck them. Forget about their centuries. <laughs> forget about their centuries hatred of the Westeros, the Seven Kingdoms or whatever it is that went down between them. Just saying, yeah. can't we all
0: just
2: I, I don't know if that would work out. Get along. <laughs> I had this really weird theory, all right? And I don't want to get too much off topic, but I wanted to know what you guys thought. And you guys listening too, tell us on Twitter, but um I want to mix a few things right now. Let's think about the current world we live in and deep space travel, right? Um, Let's just imagine for a moment that you know this planet that they live on, that houses all of these things. You know, they obviously are in the same universe as us because they have things like comets happen to them, and they call some things the same things. Like, for example, they call a comet a comet, right? You follow me so far?
1: <laughs> yes. Hey, your voice is so soothing. Just hurry up, or I'll fall asleep. <laughs>
2: okay so let's get a little battle galactica on here and we're talking about some ftl drives faster than light we're jumping around the galaxy earth is diminishing and we need to find a new place to live we find this place in our new superpower telescopes and we go here and what we find is this sort of medieval society that magic exists that and we have to somehow like isn't it isn't it crazy to think that possibly right now you know you know light years and light years away different portions of the universe away there could be this happening somewhere like magic could exist on this planet the way the atoms have collected there and they've learned how to bend those atoms and make this magic happen you know make the north north of the wall allow these things like the white walkers to exist you know what i'm saying like that's that's crazy to think of you know what i mean yeah (laughs) <laughs>
1: I'm that's right. That's pretty great. No, it's crazy. Well, uh, I just think um and it's just it's really cool. Like I would never want to move somewhere where there's winter for that long cuz I hate right. winter. Right. Right. <laughs> no,
2: you you know that their that their solar system sucks. They're like why can't they just predict how their planet's going to go around the sun? <laughs> they don't have the technology yet. They need to learn. Like Galileo needs to visit and say, yeah. "Hey, well, depending on the way we rotate the sun, uh we're gonna have a winter for three of our I, years. I would fix
1: that crap right now, like right, right? away. It would just be like, Okay, let's figure out how long it's gonna be winter for and maybe set up maybe set up a few variety uh planets like solar systems, like maybe a Tatooine, you know, where we can go when it's winter in Westeros.
2: Like a vacation. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, like a hot, hot
1: spot, you know.
0: Right. Yeah, just go across the narrow sea. I mean, isn't it I don't think they get winter over there as badly, do they?
2: Probably not. Although when they're supposed to envelop the entire land, man.
1: So I like um, I like that they were talking about going further east, though. That they were like, "Oh, what's beyond there? You know, what's what's that way? You know, right. east." Because we've spent well, so much yeah. time. You'll you'll spend plenty of books over there. Okay. So Mike knows.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> Mike knows. Mm.
1: Even the other civilizations they were talking about that would kill them and take their horses. Like, I just thought that that was cool because so far the story is not centered around any of those areas.
0: Yeah, but I think in, in this season, you definitely begin that that journey
2: further east.
1: Because it's the Khaleesi's journey?
0: Yeah. Oh, okay.
2: It's something that's so beautiful about this show. And um, I often get asked, because um, I've been telling some friends, you know, hey, I started this uh, Game of Thrones podcast with some friends. And they're like, oh, really? I haven't got a chance to watch that yet. They're like, what is that about? And I'm like, well, if I could easily describe Game of Thrones, it's that, if Lord of the Rings and, like, Beverly Hills 90210 had a baby. A, <laughs> just a big baby.
1: I don't remember Beverly Hills 90210 ever being that raunchy. Or Lord of the Rings for that.
2: Think about it. It's this, and I said it last episode, but it's this real-world, like, soap opera drama based in this, you know, crazy, blood-spattering medieval world.
1: Yeah, I think it's, like, if, if Deadwood and... um, Yeah, okay, I guess Lord of the Rings... if, if Lord of the Rings... Dead or the Rings
2: board. of Boardwalk Empire has it
1: yeah okay there we, there we go I think that works let's talk about more about the episode because there were there were some other scenes we haven't touched on yet for sure for instance uh, Cersei and Baelish which was awesome Okay. Oh, yes I mean that was just completely crazy I did not expect that when that was happening because you expect Baelish to be like really untouched and he's kind of like this guy with a lot of power and he's like knowledge is power and then all of a sudden Cersei just flips out on him um but I think, you know, her point was taken, right?
0: He definitely had some dirty drawers
2: after uh, yeah. <laughs> After that scene. It was beautiful. That was... But they added that. That wasn't in the book, was it, Micah?
0: Uh, I'm going to say no. I don't specifically remember that scene. I'm almost positive but, it's not in the book. But, yeah, that sort of demonstration of power was just
2: awesome.
1: Turn around, you know, close your eyes, take three steps back. You know. All I don't the believe they convinced. actually
2: closed their eyes. I couldn't see. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think they actually made them close their eyes.
1: I think they would if they did the other things. Like- All
2: right, well, if Kat Taylor is listening to this episode, let us know on Twitter if they actually close their eyes. I'm, I'm excited to know if they really did.
1: I'm sure. That, well, she commanded that they did. They could be beheaded just for not closing their eyes.
2: That's true. The king's justice is swift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, uh, Joffrey is taunting his mother about these other children that may exist between, was it uh, King Robert and her yeah. Because I I couldn't quite understand it. That's the thing that this show does. Like, I can infer...
0: King Robert's bastard
2: children, basically. Okay, yeah. Because I can infer... All the whores that he slept with. He never slept with the alpha whore, though. That'd be too much.
1: Oh, man, that would be... They'd have, like...
2: She was in Winterfell. They would have Uh, an
1: alpha... They would have an alpha bastard. uh, Oh, God. Anyway, no, I I think... Because, like, the thing with this show is, like, when I'm watching it, I like to believe I follow the majority of it. But, like, the rest I infer from context. Like that Joffrey was just bitching to his mom about possible other bastards, and then they go and start killing kids like all across the country. Um, right
2: so're so they're, they're implying that Joffrey is insecure about his hold on the on the throne. like he yeah hes he's, he's not confident that his mom didn't sleep with her brother he's not confident that his dad is actually his uncle and so he's like listen just in case any shit goes down because I know that Rob Stark has just won three battles I know that Stannis Brathian's pretty pissed off because he thinks he has the rightful keep of the throne so you know what I'm gonna do just in case just to be safe I'm gonna make a little command for my guys to kill all of the kids that my air quotes father made with all of these other people
1: and did they just they just knew where they were? I mean, not where they were, but they knew that they were that they existed. Like I they mean, knew of their existence.
0: Like- well, the first one was from last season. Yeah, right. I mean, you see, you see Ned Stark go into the brothel and have a conversation with her, and so the baby that gets killed, which I can't believe they did that. You I gotta do myself, it. That's oh man, HBO knows no bounds. But you know, they like stab it and throw it on the floor. Yeah, you know, and then then you see like kids getting their heads dunked underwater. Yeah, um, you know, and then they're holding the uh, the Mason like they're almost pressing his face against the fire. Yeah, um, you know, to tell to give up uh, Gendry who's off with Arya.
1: That sucks, man. She finally has one new friend. She makes a new friend, and then everybody wants to kill
2: him. Yeah, but man, yeah. drama makes stories. But to yeah. sort of answer uh, what you were saying, um, they as. Mechanics of a TV series are trusted with the power to not create something that's congruent with the books, but to create a story um, that is its own, that exists within only the episodes that people watch. They're not writing something and hoping that some people maybe go back and dig deeper into the books and find out exactly what they're referencing. So, as a mechanic, what they're doing with that showing on Joffrey's face who in my opinion has just stepped up so much as an actor and is destroying um, they're, they're seeing on his face that he's insecure and that he needs to make this be taken care of so they're leaving us with this final montage at the end of the episode to sort of seal off this beautiful war festering pile of an episode to seal it off and say now the king is the king is getting a little crazy and just in case he's having all of these kids killed um, right, and then here we have Arya traveling with one of him, and Arya's also on the run because you know we know so many soldiers are going to be, you know, given to the effort to have her taken care of as well.
1: Right, yep. which they said in this episode because they're looking for her.
2: And, and again, that was another great
0: uh, Tyrion moment when he's talking to Cersei, and he says, "You know, <laughs> we had three Starks, and you've essentially lost two of them.
1: You killed one; the other one, you you lost. You know, we we cannot bargain, which is." you know, with with the
0: one. And how many Lannisters is Joffrey going to get slapped by? <laughs> I feel like that needs to be added to the montage video of, of Tyrion slapping him across the
2: face. Oh, so my we need, gosh. We need some fans to keep tally of that. That would be awesome.
1: It's just, but, uh, he takes it so well he's just like indignant and then hurt and
2: well he didn't take it well
0: he basically no. said hey, <laughs> "Mom, your ass this is
1: <laughs> no I mean the actor like he just oh, you, yeah. you, you can sense that oh. it like really pained the kid like Joffrey just in general like that hurt it sounded like it hurt maybe they have good special like sound effects but that no of,
2: like, he probably if, just slapped him it's cheaper just hit the kid it's cheaper. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. Um, well, before uh, before we move on, there was one scene we really didn't talk much about, and it introduced at least several new characters, um, and that was uh, Stannis Baratheon and the Red Priestess, who have their uh, their party there out on the beach where they're all praying to this God of Light, you know, sort of denouncing the old gods and you know several new characters, like I said, um, and then there's even an attempt on uh, the Red Priestess's life. Melisandre. I,
2: I
1: Which to... should have yeah. worked. I don't like her. I already don't like her. Like, I I saw her and I was like, she'll be in it for the long haul, but I don't like her.
2: You're not <laughs> supposed to like her. you yeah. not supposed to. Yeah. No, I thought they did a really great job of introducing Lord Davos, who's, you know, sort of the the steady mind behind stannis and they made him seem honorable and um they did, I thought they did a really good job with that.
1: Yeah. The biggest relief moment of the episode for me came when stannis decided to tell everybody about um you know joffrey being the the illegitimate son Great. of, of Susie. so Sus- good. Because he said, you know, I won't make the mistake, you know, when when my brother found out, he only told me. I'm not going to make that same mistake. Like right, it I is. was just like, "Oh, thank God." Because I thought that, you know, the whole thing would, would remain a secret for like the entire war. Um, with the exception of the fact that Ned was shouting it in the, you know, the chambers, you know, to everybody else who was in that room. Yeah. But but he didn't quite,
2: he didn't say the incest thing though. That's the whole thing. He didn't quite get into it.
1: Yeah. The idea that every, every now, every village knows like, you know, Stannis is like, I'm going to send a letter to everyone. And then the next scene by the next scene, everybody knows even, you know, Rob Stark. Um, that's that was super cool. Like it was a good moment because I'm like, man, that's so, such a relief that the truth is out. You know, it's just even even though it could be discredited, it's 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 totally the truth.
0: Yeah, and I, it's interesting. This red priestess, she's from High. Is that how you pronounce Asahi. it? High. But uh, yeah, I mean, you could tell though really early on that I think his name is Master Crescent, who's who's been with Stannis for so many years, has these sneaking suspicions about this priestess and what she's up to. And I mean, you really don't get a true sense of what her motives are, you know, what her agenda is, what she's looking to do other than to associate herself with Stannis and make him think Sort of, he's this... Badass. He, yeah, like, he's the one that's supposed to be sitting the Iron Throne. You know, he has that moment where he pulls the, the sword out, and
2: it's on fire, and he buries it in the beach. Yeah. Um, and
1: he's wearing gloves when he does.
2: I thought he wasn't at first.
1: <laughs> Just like, that's not Wait, special. are you a dragon?
0: <laughs> What's her agenda? You know, and obviously we learn more about her as the as the books go on, but, you know, she it's not really clear where she came from other than you know she's from ass high wherever that is and uh what what kind of allegiance does she have is she who she says
2: she is you know there's a lot to be answered about her i think it's a lot like baelish in the eunuch where um like we were saying last episode who's playing the game of thrones well and we don't know much about her but what it did paint clear enough is that she's throwing her hat into the ring and she is one of the top players now yep I agree. Yeah. I was also very impressed with Rob Stark. I would also like to echo my agreement with what Catelyn said to Rob when she said that I'm very proud of you. Ned would be very proud of you, in the sense that when he was telling all of his guys there on the end of the episode what to do, you know, we need to we need to join forces with Stannis, yada yada yada. Um, I think it's really smart that he's saying maybe if I join forces with Stannis, Stannis will say, okay, I'm adding all of these armies. And the only thing that will cost me in the end is maybe my kingdom won't have the north, but we can still beat the Lannisters if we join together. So we're left with the thought of maybe they will join together and maybe they will make a bigger army. So he trusts his mom to go take care of that business. And then we're sending Theon off to hang with his dad and grab forces with him, too. So we're sort of promised that. You know, three victories deep, Rob Stark with his badass wolf is making these sweet arrangements where he's going to have X amount of armies on his side and they're going to take over the keep. And then we've got crazy Joffrey, you know, being insecure, killing people.
1: What I was told um, after watching the episode, I watched it with my friend Andrew. He said that, uh, you know, that scene between Rob and uh, Jamie either wasn't in the book or that in general, the second book. Only he said, uh, Rob Stark really isn't in it that much at all.
0: Yeah, and, and I think Selena brought this up on the last episode. It, it, Rob isn't very much, and neither is Jamie. And the thing is, they were built up as such main characters uh, from you know season one that you can't really cast them off to the side. You know, you have to include them in some way. And so I think that they're pulling things that may be relevant from Storm of Swords and bringing it into season two.
2: Yeah, I mean, like I said, we have to operate under the notion from now on, from this point forward, um, especially even on this show, that you know the, sh- the episodes of the, the seasons of this series are not going to be based on the books anymore. It was a natural progression with the first season, but from now on, it gets too crazy. And then, to is me, it, new people are is is added. Tr-
1: is that like True Blood, where <laughs> it just... No, I mean, I'm being honest, where that show just seems to have gone like 50 times more crazy every season. I don't
2: think it's going to go crazy, necessarily. I just think that they're just going to try to keep everyone that's part of the series relevant. Always.
1: Okay. Yeah. So they're going to stay with the main characters. But, I mean, yet they're making an effort to show what else is going on.
2: I mean, there's some futures that are questionable for a lot of our main characters, so Mm -hmm. I'm interested to see how they handle that, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But I like what you were saying before, Zach, about how you know, Rob is building all these alliances, but yet here you have Joffrey, who I don't really know how much he's actually doing. And again, we got to remember that he's just a kid. But it doesn't seem like the Lannisters are doing very much to kind of protect themselves. You know, in this episode, we we hear that they're closing off the city. So not only are they pissing off the Starks and the Baratheons and possibly the Greyjoys, they're also pissing off all of their citizens and and people who are looking for refuge from winter. And, you know, you you hear that, uh, you know, I think it was at the end of season one that um, Tywin has sent out the mountain to completely destroy lands and, you know, ravage cities and burn plantations. And so they're not endearing themselves very much to sort of the
2: general population. Yeah, not at all, man. Like, uh, could come back to hurt them. Exactly. It's it's such a really beautiful thing that we're in a story that is giving us so many main characters, and even in the book, because a lot of people that have chapters I necessarily don't even like, and they're giving us these characters that are flawed in so many ways. But at the same time, you know, for example, between Cersei and Baelish, um, those are two hated characters, but we walked away from that scene feeling sorry for someone who was just responsible for ned stark's death and it's just a a beautiful mechanic within the story that we're we're in the twisting lives of these many characters with all of their flaws but yet we're able to pull maybe likes and emotions and care towards these people um every step of the way even the bad ones so it's a story that's not black and white harry's the best harry's gonna hopefully triumph evil in the end it's like everyone's sort of got their ups and downs and we just want to see justice possibly went out or maybe even cunning is okay as long as they're smart about it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I mean, overall, were you guys impressed with the new characters? I guess the actors and the actresses that played them. I didn't get to see a whole lot of them. I mean, we mentioned I think most of them so far going through the scenes from episode one of of season two. Uh, maybe the only one we didn't touch on was Sir Dantos and he was the guy at the very beginning of the episode. <laughs> the who fool stumbled in drunk, yeah, yeah the fool and uh, had wine poured down his throat only to barf it back up. <laughs> and Sansa yeah. saved his ass.
1: Yeah. And then when Joffrey's like, you will be my fool, he's thank you movie, you know, your grace. Yeah. But I just thought he and- took that very well. I like that character already and I'm glad that that situation happened the way it did.
2: It didn't look too bad. I mean, that was probably some pretty decent wine.
0: Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> but um no, the I... save. That's interesting. You mentioned the save because the save might come into play later on. I had the a feeling. <laughs> I thought we're, we're cool. Like I'm I'm interested to see what's his nickname? The Onion Knight, um, Lord Davos. He's got a he's got a cool storyline, I think, and so. I'm interested to see kind of how that plays out. Craster is just a dirty old man,
2: but yeah, he's smart, but, uh, very smart, he's smart, very smart, and he has power north of the wall, and that's important. Does he
1: have power, or
2: I mean, he obviously has something that they want, otherwise they wouldn't be shelter, him barrels right? Barrels of I wine, mean, wasn't that and it? information, and knowledge is power, man.
1: No power is power.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was great.
0: <laughs> if you think about it, though, why would you want to bring you know your your Night's Watch? who takes a vow who all take a vow of celibacy essentially to stay in an inn with T- to stay in a place that has like <laughs> 50 women who uh, you know are off limits essentially yeah, yeah. Dude,
2: they were all pretty troll-like you know <laughs> Actually, he
1: did say, okay, Craster did say that Jon Snow was prettier than some of his girls.
2: That's what I'm saying. I mean, (laughs) there's a lot of girls that might agree with that. Kit Harrington's doing pretty well as far as the heartthrob meter goes.
1: (laughs) But I guess what I want to know most of, too, is more about the magic. Like, when you were just, when you broke away and you were talking about the moon and the stars and, uh, Space and yeah. battles, dark, galactic, and faster than light. <laughs> you mentioned a lot of magic being alive in this land, yeah. And I got, I got that sense, you know, kind of, and especially with the witch doctor who tries to save Caldrogo. You yeah. know, they're they're really appear and the the fact that they're always mentioning different gods, an old set, a new set. You know, odd gods, gods of light. The, you know, the gods are very alive in the world. They seem to affect change, um, in a way that is, you know, it's very. Magic e, but we have yet to really see somebody until like Melisandre is her name, like the witch, you know, the priestess, high priestess. Well, like I'd like to see her command magic on a more regular basis because I, I I, I really would because I like I like to think that yeah, I'd like to see it play more more of a central part. Um, Just because it makes things even more complex and interesting.
2: The the thing is, with primitive society, um, a lot of things are often attributed to magic. And, um, you know, it's really the cosmos is to blame. And we're going to see a lot more of that once uh, the eastern lands are discovered. You know, magic. And they they hint at that in the first episode. Or not in the first episode, but in the first season. That there's some crazy shit that we don't even know about that's happening, you know, just over there. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, dragons are magical creatures, aren't they? You know, yeah. So you do
0: have a bit of that. But in an interview, I forget where I read this, that George R.R. R. Martin said that the wall is composed of magic as well. It's not just you know ice, I guess, that's holding it all together. So it'd be interesting to learn more about that. And clearly there's magic associated with the White Walkers. There, there has to be for them to you know do what they do. Right. Sort of be resurrected from the dead, essentially, and be these impenetrable creatures that just, you know, take fire to kill, essentially. Um, And I think also what uh, Zach, you were saying, like, you see more of that as you progress east. You get more sort of the magical component of this world. And there's actually a character coming up who's traveling with. I guess we should call her Ari, since it's not really <laughs> Arya anymore. But, okay. Um, you so know, there's Jewish a character yeah, that, that <laughs> travels along with her that has a little bit of that to him without giving that away. Huh. But I think you do see it, you will see it play out a lot more. It's just we're not
2: there yet. Yeah. Magic is power.
1: <laughs> Magic is power.
2: Well, obviously, we have our own very strong opinions on the show and things, different things that we liked. Um, me leaning more towards the uh, the imp and his niceties. Um, Eric leaning towards uh, Jon Snow's pretty eyelashes. And, of course, uh, we can't skip Micah's interest in the alpha whore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you guys listening to the show, obviously, we want to kind of – get a little litmus test and see what kind of things you guys like and we can look forward to on the next episode of not only this podcast but uh next sunday when we get another episode of the show which i'm sure you're equally excited about if you're phrasing or if you're putting game of owns up next to a new episode of game of thrones i'm sure that's what you're doing by our second episode obviously that makes so much sense uh so yeah let us know on twitter at game of owns or at any of our own personal twitter accounts too because we would like to know uh, what sort of things you guys liked about this episode uh, of the show, not quite the podcast, because we are missing two of our other hosts, which is really sad, so Terrence and Selena. All right. Uh, you can, of course, follow us on Twitter.com
0: slash Game of owns, or you can follow us all individually. Uh, we'll make sure we put up our Twitter handles uh, for you guys to, uh, to take a look at. And follow if you like. You don't have to. We're not going to force you. No. Maybe no. just you know, put a funnel in your mouth and pour wine down it. But we we could could encourage you though. Yeah, we're also on Facebook at uh, facebook.com backslash game of owns and uh for all the latest information on the show the books get take a look through our photo galleries as zach mentioned at the beginning of the mm-hmm. show maybe you want uh, a hodor do we have a hodor skin yet up on the site mm-hmm. no we don't <laughs> <laughs> we'll make sure we get one soon. Oh, guys i just we might we might have to separate have one for him and then one for him <laughs>
1: I don't know what that means. Guys, I just thought of something. Before we close this episode, we should do, because we're Game of Owns, we should right? do, since we're following the episode, what was the own of the week?
2: Oh,
0: I
1: like the, that. Oh,
2: that's a good point.
1: Like that. what uh, was so what was the own of, of this week, if we could well, say? I,
2: let's each pick one. Uh, Micah, you want to go first? The own of the week.
0: Hmm. I'm actually going to go with when uh, Jamie Lannister says, three victories don't make you a conqueror. And Rob Stark says it's better than three defeats.
2: Boom. That's good. I like that. I like that. I like it. Yeah. Ah man. I think the owner of the week was probably when Craster told Ro- or told Jon Snow, he's like, Man, you're pretty much as sp- you're prettier than my kids, man. You're p- <laughs> You're prettier than my wives. Basically he's saying, You're probably not that tough, bro. Like, look around you. This is my house. You don't have a house. You have like a main, and you have all these guys. Also, when he told Lord Commander, he was like, "Hey, <laughs> you're rolling around with all these yeah. boys. I'm like, I'm knee deep in... and <laughs> cut that out. <laughs> I'm knee Just deep bleep in it. late. Just bleep it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so that was awesome. <laughs> so, what up? Like, that's so that's those are my two owns. That's what I'm picking. What about you, Eric?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna go with. Uh, I know we've talked about it, but Circe and uh... Bayless, uh Baalish, just uh, going at it. Yeah, there. it was just because it was just so unexpected for me at the time. You know, Cersei has a way <laughs> about her where she kind of takes a lot of. Oh yeah, insult. she's got a way about her. She she, she she takes a lot of insult, like even from her son. Like, you know, she fights back, but it's it's unpredictable and just the way she executed that scene, I thought was really good for her. Because normally I hate her character, but man, that was good.
2: Yeah, man. Well, listen, everybody that's on listening, <laughs> this is a great thing that you should also tweet at us. I'd like to know what you think is the owner of the week. Owner also, the if week. you agree with one of my owns, which I hope that you do. And before we leave you guys, I do want to let you all know that our iTunes page is officially up and we would so, so, so much for you to head over there. Rate, maybe drop us five stars if you have five stars to spare. And also, if you have those stars to spare, maybe you will also have the time to spare for a lovely little comment and you can make us... Very, very happy with that comment. Yep, Hodor. Yeah,
0: so once again, uh, as we wrap up here real fast, twitter.com slash Game of facebook.com slash Game of or just log on to owns.com. Boom. Once again, I'm Mike Atano. I'm Zach Louis. And
1: I'm Eric Skull.
0: Hodor. See you next week for the Nightlands. Hodor.